This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Wowie zowie, that's all I can say. Because I had a great evening last night and it didn't start off great. It just got great. Um... I went down to Hallandale to speak before a Hallandale Republican Club. And I had put this off for a long time because first and foremost, it's not a good night for me. Um, Tuesday nights I have, you know, something more important to, to me. But I had promised and promised and promised, so I did go down. And it was at a really lovely restaurant, Mateo's. And this is an unsolicited, you know, uh, spiel right now. What a nice restaurant. What a great atmosphere. The food looked unbelievable. I only had a, you know, I don't I don't like to eat when I'm speaking, but I looked at the food and I looked at the, all the people. Everyone was having a fabulous time, not just in our gathering, but out in the restaurant proper. And so I would heartily recommend it. I mean, the, 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 oh, the delicious, you know, smells coming out of that kitchen had me salivating the whole ride home. That being said, I also realized that I've been doing a lot of speaking where I basically am less concerned with um, telling people what their next move is going to be. They all seem to have a, a, a next move. You know, this club in particular has candidates, local candidates. They're supporting two of them were there last night, Carla Spaulding, Laverne Spicer. And these people are already activated. And they were people of all ages, young people, older people, and they were very, very um, motivated, motivated towards the next election. So my job no longer is, you know, making people get jazzed up. They're jazzed up. And I can't even explain it because there's such a shortage of, of good conversation in the arena. I mean, the talk arena... If, you know, I, I think it was Mark Levin last night, I was driving home and I listened to a little bit of his program and he was talking about how, you know, this is a total conspiracy to cut out conservative voices. AM bands, you know, not existing in automobiles, you know, th- it, that's a straight up move against conservative talk. You know, I'm just so grateful that Rush didn't have to endure this, you know, <laughs> because he created conservative talk radio, really, for all intents and purposes, and it was a very thriving medium. And now you've got automakers saying, eh, you know, I don't know about that. So now we see what Foxes had up their sleeve all along, right? Their ambitious new schedule. Yeah. Uh, it's our boldest and our most fearless lineup ever. Hannity moves to 8 p.m., Waters and Gutfield, get prime time. Okay, that's your ambitious, you know, new breaking news? Hannity's going to replace Tucker? 
I don't watch Hannity. People who watch Tucker don't necessarily watch Hannity. As a matter of fact, I can pretty much guarantee that a full 50 to 75% of Tucker Carlson's audience turned the TV off at the end of his show so they didn't have to watch Hannity. And it's not that Hannity isn't a talented person. It's just that how much Hannity can you take? Three hours of radio. I say this about, you know, a lot of people. They have radio and television and books. And, you know, after a while, you just, you've heard everything they have to say and they're just repeating themselves, right? So now, uh, Jesse Waters and Greg Gutfeld are heading to primetime. Okay, so instead of at 7 o'clock, you're going to put him in, I don't know, where's Jesse Waters going to go? At uh, 9 o'clock? So he's up against Rachel Maddow? Probably you'd have to put um, Greg Gutfeld there because he does better than just about anybody else. He's present on The Five, which is their number one show now. He's got his own show that's beat out most of the late night talk show hosts. So here you go. You know, I, I just, you can't just move the, sh the, the, the uh, chairs around on the Titanic and expect it to keep floating. It hit an iceberg. Fox hit an iceberg. And I don't care how many times you shake the shaker, you're still going to come up with the same personalities, none of whom had the impact that Tucker Carlson did. What a scoop, right? The Drudge Report, you know. Sean Hannity is taking over 8 p.m. Okay. And Jesse Waters and Greg Gutfeld heading to primetime. I don't know what that means for Laura Ingram. I really don't. But I guess all of this shall be revealed. Now, the interesting question is what's going on in houses like mine all over this country where... A wife will turn to her husband or a husband will turn to his wife and say, I really don't know what to do now that Tucker's not on. I can't imagine, I can't remember ever in my life being this affected by the firing of anybody. I really can't. Uh, you know, when Bill O'Reilly was fired, it was a story. But I didn't, you know, say, what am I going to do now? I was fine with Tucker Carlson replacing him. Didn't miss a beat, you know? Um, I remember when Johnny Carson was replaced by Jay Leno, when I still watched late night TV when I was young enough to stay up that late. Didn't miss a beat. I kept watching Jay Leno. Didn't like him as much as Johnny Carson, but I grew to like him, you know? But I didn't say, what are we going to do at 11 o'clock? <laughs> um, in my household... Last night, just last night, I got home from my speaking engagement and I said, you know, I'm, I'm like at a loss. I usually would watch the DVR'd version of Tucker right now. And I could fast forward it. I mean, I don't mean to imply I sat there and hanging on every word that Tucker Carlson or his guest said, because I didn't. There were lots of it, parts of his show that I fast forwarded through, which is why I preferred it on DVR. But I looked forward to that show. I am not going to come home and watch a DVR of, of Sean Hannity. That's not going to happen. Because if I want to know what Sean Hannity thinks about any given subject, I can tune into his radio program from 3 to 6 every single day. Nothing new is going to happen on the night show unless there's a fast-breaking story after 6 o'clock p.m., which is pretty unlikely. 
So I, I don't know what this, you know, scheme that Fox News has uh, or what they think they're going to accomplish with it. The only question that remains is where does Tucker Carlson end up and how quickly can they make that happen? Because people are learning to live without. I always said when people would say to me, well, surely, you know, if you were taken off the air, people would go crazy and they'd be, you know, protesting. And no, 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 no. I learned a long time ago. If you think nobody else can do what you're doing, stop doing it. You know, especially in entertainment. There's 10 younger people than me who just want a chance, right? Who will, you know, break their necks to put on entertaining programming. I know that. And talk radio has always been the place where they could do that. Where you didn't have to have an established name like a Sean Hannity to replace the Tucker Carlson, where you could put in some brand new talent or somebody you'd know had a, a radio show somewhere in Michigan, you know, and you could just put them on television and, uh, and they were bold and creative and they would give you their best shot or you could put them on the radio and let them get better. But that's all gone. There's no farm teams. There's no hope, <laughs> you know, on the part of young, talented people. Those days are over. And that's really sad. So when I go out to a speaking engagement, like I did last night, I look at the people and I take their temperature. And I explain this all the time. The reason I believe that Donald Trump will not only get the nomination, but will win the presidency again is because I have this uncanny ability to gauge what the family in East Palestine, Ohio, is thinking, what the uh, recently graduated uh, college student, soon to be married and start a family in St. Louis, or the single mom in the outskirts of Detroit, I know what they're thinking. And they're thinking, I need some relief. I need to believe that there's a future for me and for my children. I need to believe that somebody actually cares about me. President didn't, sh oh, by the way, they moved Caitlin Collins, the one who did the, uh, the town hall, she got the nine o'clock spot. So if it's Gutfield or Jesse Waters, they don't have to worry too much. <laughs> They're going up against Caitlin Gollin, and I wasn't particularly impressed with her. Although I loved the, the town hall. I think it was great, you know. And uh, maybe she'll um, have much more success in that nine o'clock spot than Don Lemon or whoever was, Chris Cuomo, whoever had that, and they've never sort of recovered from that. But there's a real... There's going to be a real um, depletion of conservative talent because a lot of us aren't willing to like just fight any longer. You know, we've been fighting long enough and we don't have a farm team. And what are we promising the farm team? Oh, don't worry. There's plenty of opportunity in conservative talk. No, there's a real limited opportunity. And when you come right down to it, we're kind of fearful that AM radios taken out of cars will mean the end of a thriving conservative talk network out of any kind, okay? It'll all go online. It'll exist. 
you know, it'll be podcasts and it'll be uh, internet sites. I get it. You know, it's not all is lost, but um, comes in a very interesting time. Comes in a time where if you can deprive people of the information, which is what they do so well in the mainstream, right? I mean, you would think, I listened around the dial yesterday, and you would think that the Durham report was actually good and that what it established, <laughs> it was fascinating to listen to, what it proved was that they were right all along. Donald Trump was dangerous and they should do anything they could to take him out and not to worry too much because, uh, you know, uh, they'd be covered for by the media. They think that's a good thing. And there's not going to be a lot of voices like mine going like, this is horrifying. We have an FBI, part of the executive branch of government, meaning the Obama-Biden, uh, you know, administration, was actively participating in literally making up stuff about the opposition candidate, knowing that Hillary Clinton's campaign was making stuff up, having been briefed on that, and allowing it to go on. People in East Palestine hear that. And all they're thinking is like, so wait a minute, Donald Trump was right. They were out to get him, and they were lying. And all they're thinking about is, I wish I had another chance to vote for him. How about that? How about the fact that there are people right now thinking like, I'm going to vote for him just because I'm so ticked off about this Durham report and about what I see happening to my country. I told people last night, you know what the, 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 the two most important issues are for the American public right now? One is the economy and the other is the border. Where does Donald Trump excel over any other candidate? The economy and the border. So if you want to speak to that, to what really matters to the American people, you already have your spokesperson. You don't need to, to make this a, a, a battle. You just need to everybody resist the temptation to buy into the, he's unelectable. We've been here before and we proved that wasn't true. Maybe he's unelectable in San Francisco. Maybe he's unelectable in Broward County. But he's very electable in flyover country. And he's even more and more electable in some of the pockets of minority communities around the country. Let me tell you, I, uh, I know the Democrats, you know, pretty much ran the table in Jacksonville, much to the chagrin of uh, the Republican Party of Florida. But there's a reason for that. There's a real concern in the state of Florida that losing the governor to a campaign is not good for us. And all politics are local. First, I got to believe that things are going to be good in the state of Florida before I start worrying about the state of Michigan, okay? First, I got to know that unemployment is coming down in Florida and housing is, uh, you know, still holding strong in Florida before I care at all about, you know, the Ukraine or even Taiwan, I need to know that my taxes are going to come down, not go up. <laughs> I need to know that the cost of living increase for Social Security recipients isn't going to be stagnant. 
those are the things that we need to know. And I need to know that they're not going to be busing people from the southern border without even vetting them into every city and town in America, along with as much fentanyl and trank and whatever else these drugs are that are killing the whole generation of people. I need to know that somebody's paying attention to that and not telling me that the border is closed when I can see with my own eyes, you know, that it's not. Don't forget to check out the app, the 850WFTL app. Download it on your phone or your computer. And also uh, visit our website, 850WFTL.com. And that way you can participate in our great contest, win DoorDash certificates, gift certificates. Speak much? Only for a living. Uh, and then, well, let me take a quick break and I'll be right back. Uh. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can't, uh, can't believe it. You know, I really can't. Um, a friend of mine who left New York and she was, uh, she and, and her partner were both teaching in the New York City public school system, right? And she was actually a principal. So she wasn't even in the classroom anymore. She was an administrator, although she's like a kind of a hands-on person. So I can only imagine she probably was like the best principal in New York City. Um, but when she heard, and by the way, she walked away from her career early, took an early retirement because she didn't want to get the jab. She didn't want the injection. And they forced her out. Now we're beginning to see cities that are, you know, having to pay um, back pay to teachers and, and people who got pushed out of careers, whether it was medical careers or EMTs or, or teachers and principals. So I'm hoping that that happens in New York. But she said she would, the other day, she sent me a text message. She goes, if I were still a principal and they were going to house illegal immigrants in the gymnasium of my school, I would be ballistic. And I am seeing the uh, Twitter and the internet exploding with parents who cannot believe that Eric Adams, the mayor, is housing these unvetted immigrants in the gymnasium of, of schools, grammar schools. You know, these young males, because that's what predominantly comes across the border. I mean, how many uh, film clips do you have to see where the predominant demographic is young males between the ages of 15 and 20 crossing the border to say, does anybody really think it's a good idea to put them in gymnasiums? My friend, who was the principal, said to me, why wouldn't you just uh, take over the Javits Center like they did during COVID 
and put a bunch of cots in there. You know, and then you could have security and all would be well. Why would you, why would you, well, I'll tell you why Eric Adams is doing that. Because you see, you know, part of what I do is not just report on what's happening, but I try to dis discern what's really happening. Because Eric Adams and people like Lori Lightfoot and governors like uh, Gavin Newsom, who declared all these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, don't know what to do now that governors like uh, Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis are shipping illegal immigrants out of our states into those sanctuary places. And they're overrun. Now, you hate to say that about people. You can't be overrun with people, but they are. They're overrun. They don't have the facilities. They kicked all the homeless soldiers, you know, military personnel out of the hotels to put the illegal immigrants in it in New York already. And so they've run out of space. So now they're going to use school gymnasiums to house these predominantly young males. I mean, there are families and there are kids and there are women, but the largest demographic is young males. You imagine you have a 10-year-old uh, girl going to grammar school and every morning when she gets to school, there's a bunch of young males walking out of the gymnasium in their uh, boxers. And, and, and many of them come from countries where you know, they're still a little behind the times, shall we say, in hygiene, in sexual uh, morality, you know, and, and they could have any number of diseases. I mean, forget COVID, which is a big one, but tuberculosis, some kinds of fevers, all this kind of stuff. And your kid who goes to this grammar school is going to be confronted with that every morning. What would you do? I'd move to Florida, <laughs> you know, and that's what's happening. And you just, you, all of the unintended consequences that are going to come from this open border. I mean, I saw a video last night. I don't even know. Uh, the person who sent it to me is there, is in is at the border. And it was a video of a gate being opened up by a person wearing an army, you know, uniform, a National Guard uniform. Might have been Air Force. I, can't, I couldn't really tell. It was shot at a distance, but it was definitely a military uniform. And we know that the National Guard is down there from Texas, from other states. They sent 1,500 troops down there, right? And now this person literally opens up a gate in, in the uh, El Paso area and you see people streaming through this open gate. Again, predominantly young males streaming through this gate. Now, was, was that person, obviously somebody who's serving in the United States military, even in the, uh, in the reserves, is on following orders. They didn't just open that gate because they felt like it. Somebody told them to allow those people to come into this country. And that somebody is the Biden administration. It's amazing to me. They have us so busy looking at so many things. You know, the whole whack-a-mole concept that I talk about all the time is that nobody even had time to notice that they knocked the whole team of IRS investigators, including the whistleblower, 
They took them off the Hunter Biden tax fraud case. Just removed them. Why? Well, do it now because everybody's looking at, uh, you know, the Durham report. Or, or do it now because everybody's looking at the border. Or do it now because nobody's paying attention. And you're crazy. Let me just say this. If you think that whoever gets the uh, White House in 2024 is going to be able to just, you know, uh, be, be an efficient and, and brilliant leader, whoever gets into the White House is going to be confronted with so much poop that has to be resolved quickly. Uh, Carlos Balding said last night, she said, whoever gets the job next better be able to pick up the phone and call Putin. Better be able to pick up the phone and call Xi. Better be able to pick up the phone and call Zelensky. Because if the next person who gets in there can't do that, the world is on the, f on the brink of a war, a world war. I'm not going to argue anymore with people who want to tell me like, well, but if you uh, go with this guy, he's got most of the same policies as Donald Trump and he's so much more palatable that suburban mothers will vote for him. Let me tell suburban mothers one thing. You're doomed if anybody else gets into the White House but Donald Trump. Doomed. Kiss your children goodbye. Because they'll be going to school with a bunch of illegal immigrants camping out in their gymnasiums forever until there is no more school you just can't you know I, I i won't let up i really won't because my whole country is hanging uh by a thread i said last night you know where's the middle class in this country there is no middle class i listen to young people i talk to young people all the time eh, you know uh no i can't can't move and no, I can't, I can't get a mortgage and no, I can't, you know, I have to drive my car another five years, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when I was in my 20s, the whole world was opening up for me. There was so much opportunity. And now they're trying to figure out if they can scratch out a living. They're trying to figure out if they could ever buy a house or if they can ever move out of their mother's basement. It's not fair. We need a thriving middle class. That's what make, made America great. You know, I came up in a thriving middle class, a burgeoning middle class. And now we have very, very rich people. You know, God bless Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and uh, uh, Peter Thiel and all the rest of these multi-zillionaires. You know, bravo, you, you did incredible things and that's why you're so rich. But like everybody else doesn't have to be dirt poor. There should be a middle class. Anyway, let me take a break. Don't forget, we got a lot more to talk about today and every day. I saw some photographs this last night of uh, they've destroyed another container home of Fane Lozman's. He'll be on with me tomorrow and we'll talk about that. But it's amazing what he has endured. And once again, with the collusion of our government, I'll be right back. Ah, uh, Yes. Uh, you can't make this stuff up, really. And that's uh, the good thing about everything that I'm, you know, going to talk about in the next year or so. Um, Governor DeSantis wasn't on the ballot last night, but all the candidates that he endorsed did not win. Um, Dan Cameron, Attorney General, won the Republican nomination for governor. 
and uh, let's see, let's see, in Kentucky, not here. Um, and he had cut a, a recording for UN Ambassador Kelly Kraft, who basically stumbled into third place after spending more than $10 million to portray the Trump-endorsed Cameron as a fake conservative teddy bear. It's going to get interesting. DeSantis's candidate lost in Jacksonville, which is what I said earlier. The largest city in the country with a Republican mayor was Jacksonville. Now it's no longer. A Democrat Donna Deegan, a former local TV anchor and founder of the Breast Cancer Foundation, won 52 to 48 percent of the vote over uh, Daniel Davis. This is in a city that Ron DeSantis carried by 12 points. But there was a pretty ugly uh, first round. And the Democrat really had some very effective attacks um, on her side. Republicans lost in Colorado Springs, too, where former Secretary of State Wayne Williams conceded to independent entrepreneur Yemi Mobilati. The office is nonpartisan, but the Republicans had backed Williams, who irritated conservatives by appearing in an ad with his Democratic successor in the elections job. Progressive Democrats got more mixed results. In Philadelphia, ex-City Council member Sherelle Parker had a stable lead for the party's mayoral nomination. She called for hiring 300 more cops and reallowing stop-and-frisk policing and consolidated the uh, black vote. Ex-City Council member Helen Jim slumped into third place, which was a setback for progressives. And, and they just had Bernie Sanders and AOC were just out there campaigning for her. The left did a little better in Allegheny County, where Sarah Inamorato won the Democratic primary, and she's a social, a Democratic socialist. Uh, let's see, in Kentucky, Republican Secretary of State Michael Adams fended off his two primary challengers. Okay. Um, not a good day. DeSantis had a bum hand, but he picked it. Because the decision to endorse Kraft at the end of early voting when she was trending down in polls got him nothing for his effort. And that's why I say, if you're just going to play politics, run into buzzsaws all the time. Ron, Governor DeSantis is a brilliant politician. But these are not the times for politicians. Politicians, you know, get bupkis in this uh, environment who become and here's what's so fascinating here this uh, this caitlin collins has got a, a primetime gig nine o'clock on cnn now right as a direct result of her town hall meeting with donald trump right anything that attaches itself to donald trump whether it's on the right or on the left tends to do better in the public arena. And I know that people say, oh, he ruined a lot of Republicans' chances during the 2022 elections. I, I don't know that to be true. And maybe if you'd all kept your, or yeah, maybe if all of you had kept your mouths shut about that being what was going to happen, it wouldn't have happened. But listen, you can't, you can't, you can't talk to 
really dumb people. I tried to explain this to someone last night who was trying to explain to me as she was trying. She brought some editorials and she wanted me to help her figure out how do you answer these things when, you know, Democrats ask you these questions and present this fake information to you. And I said, well, at some point you just have to decide that you're not going to waste your breath. You know, it's not, it's not worth it. You know, I'm, I'm like the uh, old Jewish rabbi who said, you know, how do you feel praying at the wall for peace every day? Like I'm speaking to a wall. You know, I don't speak to walls anymore. It's hard enough keeping, uh, you know, conservatives encouraged. I'm not going to try to convince the lunatics on the left of anything. Very interesting thing happened last night, too, which I, I when, when you think about this, it's really, um, it's really scary. Uh, Prince Harry and his uh, his dumb wife, Meghan Markle, were involved in a near-catastrophic two-hour paparazzi chase in New York City on Tuesday night. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who were traveling with Markle's mom, Doria Ranglin, were pursued by photographers after leaving the Ziegfeld Theater, where the former actress was honored by Gloria Steinem at the Women of Vision Awards in Manhattan. The trio left the event so they could make it to New York for this honor, but they couldn't. She couldn't go to England to watch her father-in-law be crowned the King of England. Doesn't look good for you, Megan. The trio left the event in an SUV around 10 p.m. and were immediately followed by around 12 paparazzi. They eventually decided to ditch their original vehicle and jump into a yellow cab in hopes of evading photogs, a source claims. The insider alleges that one cameraman hit a car while another almost ran over a New York City police officer during the near-fatal chase. Okay. Uh, Twelve paparazzi chasing her for getting her Women in Visionary Whatever Award. And... Uh, once in the taxi, Harry used his cell phone to record the ensuing melee. We're told security was also recording to gather evidence. Paparazzi were confronted by uniformed police officers but ignored warnings and continued the chase. Meanwhile, all that uh, Page Six wants to figure out is how it was that she uh, you know, wore this gold dress but couldn't make it to the uh, coronation. Hey, we hear the suits alum and her mother and her husband are still in New York City following the occurrence. Now, of course, why is this so profound? Well, because Princess Diana, his mother, was killed in a Paris car crash when she was being chased by paparazzi. So this is a pretty, you know, uh, pretty scary thing for the young Prince Harry. So I don't know. Their kids... I do believe, are still in California in their home, Prince Archie and Princess Lilibet. So this was right after Harry was told that the United Kingdom police are not for hire. He's not going to have security provided by the royal family. The offer to pay for his police protection would create a situation where wealthy individuals could buy protective security from specialist police officers, according to the UK Home Office. Okay, so you're not a working royal. You don't get the uh, security. 
Since then, he has argued it is not safe for him to return to the UK with his family without police protection. Markle, for her part, recently hired Kim Kardashian's former bodyguard to keep her safe. Is that the same uh, bodyguard that allowed the person into Kim's hotel room when she was in the bathtub? Just asking. I mean, you know. She, she didn't want to go to the coronation so that she could celebrate Archie's fourth birthday, but she didn't mind going to New York in her golden gown. Can't make this stuff up. You really can't. And not that I'm obsessed with the royals, but I just find her to be one of the most grotesque examples of what turning people into celebrities who are pretty not unique, you know, pretty mediocre. Just my, just my thought. Oh, did you see the new uh, Sports Illustrated cover? Yeah, I saw a picture of it. The problem is that the person on the cover of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, edition, whatever it's called, is not a woman. It's a transgendered person, right? And when I say that, I'm being deliberate. It's a transgendered person because you can't change your DNA. You can cut off body parts or you can add body parts, but you are now a transgendered person. You are not a woman. So for them to put whatever her name is on the cover of the swimsuit edition, I was much happier looking at uh, Martha Stewart, who's like in her 80s. They put her on the cover. At least I know she's a woman, right? All right, let me uh, take a quick break. When you, you Don't forget we got Dan Bongino coming up at 1 o'clock. He's made an announcement that he is going to you know, not leave his radio program. I think he made that announcement yesterday. And then... At 4 o'clock, it's Ben Shapiro. At 5 o'clock, it's Matt Walsh. At 6 o'clock, the WPTV News. Lots of entertainment over the night. And then, of course, tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be right back here with the South Florida Morning Show. But I have one segment left, so don't touch that dial. So, uh, you know, I'm confused. You know, half of the things I'm reading tell me Martha Stewart was the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition cover, and then the other half have this uh, transgendered person. Um, so I don't know, do they make multiple covers? Whatever. Um, the, you can't, you cannot tell me that there's not a concerted effort to silence conservatives in this country. I mean, if we ever believed otherwise, they've certainly proven over and over again that, uh, that the mainstream media doesn't want to hear it. They don't even want to talk about things that are really kind of important in the scheme of things. There was a uh, video clip of the senator from Pennsylvania, you know, Senator Fetterman, who was in a hospital from the middle of February to the middle of April this year, after which, you know, um, we were expected to believe that he was now handling his depression or his struggles, his mental health struggles. They got his medication right and all the rest of it. You know, no one is yet to answer if the damage that was done by his physical, you know, illnesses, the stroke, if that ever 
has been resolved because essentially, you know, that's not something that resolves that easily. So he, yesterday there was a hearing on the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank. And he happened to be the last senator that was given an opportunity to question, you know, some of the, the uh, people that had been called in. The Pennsylvania Democrat um, appeared to struggle through his opening statement in the hearing. He said that some of the witnesses' colleagues went to Hawaii's after there was a crash of your bank, and I, I couldn't believe it. So I went up on the internet. Like, do you go up on the internet? I, that's a new expression to me. Uh, you know, we used to say, I went up on the web, on the World Wide Web, but that went out, you know, 15 years ago. So, so anyway, Fetterman goes, I went up on the internet, and it's like, it did happen. It did happen. It did happen. And then he held up a cutout of a New York Post headline titled, Ex-Silicon Valley Bank CEO Greg Becker Jets to Hawaii After Collapse. And it's in Fortune. The second biggest bank in U.S. history collapsed, and you choose to go to Hawaii on that. You know, I've never been to Hawaii, and neither has my family. I guess I've never cranked, excuse me, crashed a bank. Fetterman asked the witnesses if they believed it's a running joke in the banking community that the federal government will bail them out in times of trouble, to which former Silicon Valley Bank CEO Gregory Becker said he doesn't believe that's the case. Really? Because every bank you seemingly that crashed, it's like we can bail him out. This one crashed, we'll bail them out, Fetterman said. So far, everything's been true. So doesn't it feel that now if a bank really believed that they wouldn't be bailed out, now after bailing them out, these couple of bailouts they are going to? What? That's so incoherent. It's ridiculous. Then he says, do you believe that this is not, an, th do you believe that that is not outrageous that? No matter how deplorable your performance is, you are made as whole and all by taxpayers. So what do you believe? Fetterman then asked, what would have happened if Silicon Valley Bank had not been bailed out before moving on to say, is it staggering? Is it staggering? It's a responsibility that the head of a bank could literally, could literally crash our economy. It's astonishing. That's like if you have, I mean, like, and they also realize that now they have a guaranteed way to be saved again by no matter by how, isn't it? What? This is so incoherent that I don't know what else to do. And then he goes on and he attacks Republicans for wanting to introduce food stamp work requirements and asking if Silicon Valley Bank should have a working requirement after the bailout because they seem more preoccupied when the SNAP requirements for works for hungry people, but not about protecting the taxpayers that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. You should have seen Twitter during this questioning. It was on fire. You know, people were watching the banking committee, the Senate banking committee hearing. I mean, he's... <laughs> People were putting up posting memes like of, uh, uh, what, what was that kid's name that, that did the, oh gosh, I can't remember. He played the John Candy. And, you know, all these, uh, Chris Belushi, all these people doing like 
funky, crazy, uh, incoherent statements in supposed hearings and government hearings, but Fetterman is real. Fetterman is actually a senator from the state of Pennsylvania, instead of Mehmet Oz, mind you. He might have been able to ask some coherent questions at that very hearing, but never got the chance. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if any delays is coming. Remember, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. John Fetterman actually makes Kamala Harris look coherent. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.